Amen, and thank you. you. may be seated. Why in the world are we here today? Now, some of you think, well, that's a dumb question. We're here because it's Easter, all right? Others of you might say, well, I'm here because somebody invited me, all right? And those are just secondary reasons. The real reason that you're here today is because 2,000 years ago, a man walked out of a tomb a tomb that he'd been in for three days. And friend, it changed everything. It changed everything about this life, and it changes everything about the life to come. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. Someone said that the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. Or, it's the greatest event that ever occurred in human history. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? You know, there's a very interesting verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that says, He presented, he, Jesus, presented himself alive with many infallible proofs being seen by them for four, during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever realized that before. A lot of people think that faith is believing something for which you have no evidence, all right? God says, no, that's, that's wrong. In fact, God says, I've given you some infallible proofs. Some infallible proofs about the resurrection. I just want to touch on seven really, really quickly this morning. I hope you'll investigate them. But the first one is the empty tomb. That tomb was empty. And you can be certain that the Romans and the religious leaders who had crucified Jesus did an all-out search to find that body. And they wanted to nip Christianity in the bud. And they would have if they'd been able to find the body. Second thing, the unstolen body. Yeah, most uh, scholars will agree, well, there was no body to be found, but maybe his disciples came and stole it during the night. But I want you to think about that. Here are these 11 disciples, and, and they could not have stolen the body. There's no way that 11 weak disciples could have overpowered a Roman guard of 16 soldiers, well-armed, well-trained. There's no way that, you know, 11 disciples could tiptoe into the graveyard with 16 Roman soldiers asleep and not waking them up. In fact, see, if a Roman soldier fell asleep on guard, on duty, he faced the death penalty. They couldn't have rolled away a two-ton stone and taken the body out without the Roman guard waking up if they had been asleep. Three is the forensic evidence. You know it says that the embalming cloths in which Jesus was wrapped and there was a heavy ointment and it started to harden. Do you know that it says that when the people looked in the tomb, they saw the grave clothes there unwrapped? How does a body get out when it's unwrapped? Fourth, there's the swoon theory. 
some scholars say, well, no, no, well, Jesus, yeah, there's no body, and, and people saw him afterwards, but that's because he didn't really die. He just passed out on the cross over lack of blood and oxygen. But Jesus was pronounced dead by the Roman officials. They were professional executioners. They certainly would have known if he had just passed out. And how could he have breathed in embalmed clothes for three days? Fifth, there's the eyewitnesses. He presented himself alive, we have very clear record, to more than 500 people. So there would be no question about whether Jesus was raised or not. And many of those martyrs were, excuse me, many of those eyewitnesses were martyred because they would not recant on that statement. And, you know, as Jason referred to in a prayer, you know, a lot of people will die for a good cause. They won't die for a lie. Number six, Jesus appeared 11 times. 11 times over 40 days. And he appeared to some of those people multiple times. Because if he'd only appeared to them once, they might have thought, well, maybe I just imagined it. And number seven is the transformed lives. The same disciples who deserted Jesus when he was arrested suddenly had the courage to be tortured and killed because they were certain that he had risen. Peter, who denied Jesus three times at his trial, was transformed when he saw Jesus alive. And Peter was crucified upside down because he refused to say that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Now, some of the critics will say, oh, wait a minute, though. You know, those disciples, they were just feeble-minded fishermen. And apologies to all the fishermen here today. I was not suggesting that all fishermen are feeble-minded. Okay. But let's listen to the testimony of a man named Dr. Frank Morrison. He was a brilliant attorney. He decided to write a book that would dispel the myth of the resurrection. And from his legal background, he, he investigated all of the evidence. And after studying that, he concluded that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And Morrison wrote the book, but not the one he'd planned. And the title of the first chapter is called The Book That Refused to Be Written. Lee Strobel. He was an award-winning legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. And the Chicago Tribune is not actually, you know, like a Sunday school newsletter or anything, is it? Strobel was an avowed atheist, and he determined to prove that the resurrection was a hoax. But his investigation led to him to write a book called The Case for Christ. Based on the evidence, he concluded that the claims of Christ were so compelling that no, and those are his words, no reasonable, reasonable person could reject them. Someone said, I wish a lot more people would try 
to disprove the resurrection, then we'd have a lot more Christians. Bono, lead singer of the group U2. He was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine. In in the interview, they asked him this. I don't know how they got to this question, but they did. They said, Jesus Christ, he's, he's ranked among the world's greatest thinkers. But Son of God, now isn't that a little far-fetched? And this is what Bono said. No, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to the Christ story, Bono said, always goes like this. Well, he was a great prophet who had a lot of things to say along the lines of all the other great prophets like Elijah and Mohammed and Buddha or Confucius. But Bono continued. He said, Christ doesn't allow you to say that. He doesn't let you off the hook. He said, Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm just a prophet. I'm saying I'm the Messiah. I'm saying I am God incarnate. And people say to that, no, 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 no. Please, don't be a prophet. We can take a prophet. So what are you left with is that either Christ was who he said, the Messiah, or he's a complete nutcase. Friend, God has given us infallible proofs. He doesn't want us to base our belief, our entire eternity, on some hope and some dream for which we have no evidence. The evidence is compelling. Well, if the evidence is compelling, then why would people reject the resurrection? There's two main reasons for resurrection rejection. And the first one is this. Those of us who would say, well, I can't believe it. Now, see, I really understand that. I understand the person saying, well, I can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know why? How many people have you seen that have been raised from the dead? Anybody? No. That just doesn't happen. Now, people we know have been resuscitated, haven't they? You know, stop breathing for 30 seconds, three minutes, and all of a sudden they come back to life on the operating table or wherever. Okay. But that's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. Jesus was dead, fully dead, (laughs) for three days. And he didn't just resuscitate and live for another ten years or so, like people who are resuscitated do. He never died again. And you see, friend, that's the difference. Now, see, I can understand who say people... Uh, people who say, I can't believe it, (laughs) because we don't see it, okay? I mean, that's what humans do. Humans die, and humans don't get resurrected, all right? And Jesus was fully human. But the other side of that is, 
Jesus was also fully God. And if there's a God who created life, he has the ability and the power to suspend life or overrule death. And you see, friend, God wants you to know truth, and he's given you the evidence for it. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says, Jesus was proved to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. You want proof that Jesus really is the Son of God? He was raised from the dead. That's convincing proof. And friend, if you were on a jury and all the evidence were, was presented that Jesus truly had risen, you would have to vote. If you were honest, based on all the evidence, you would have to vote, yes, he rose. Now, there's a second reason for resurrection rejection. And that reason is those who say, or they don't say it, they just feel it. I don't want to believe it. You see, if Jesus really rose, then he is the Son of God like he said he was. If Jesus really rose, he, he said, he was asked, are you the Son of God? He said, yeah. He said, kill me and in three days I'll rise again. So if Jesus really rose, then he is who he says. And what does that mean? Then he's our Lord. Then he's master. Then he is sovereign over us. Then what he said is true and impacts our life. If Jesus really rose, then we must submit to him as Lord. Believing something strongly does not make it true. Believing something strongly does not make it untrue. Isn't it true that for centuries people on earth believed that the earth was the center of the universe? They strongly believed it. Isn't it true that people for centuries believed that the earth was flat? They strongly believed it. Isn't it true that in many countries, even in our own country, people believed that if you had an infection, the way to get rid of the infection was to bleed it out? Is that true? No. And friend, I just want to say to you, you live in a very dangerous world, don't you? We live in a dangerous world. We can be killed by terrorists. We can be, uh, be, our life could be taken by uh, a drunk driver. Uh, you could be poisoned by the Russians. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can just, you know, go wrong here in this world, right? All the physical dangers. But friend, physical danger it's nothing compared to spiritual danger. Because spiritual danger is eternal danger. You see, our bodies, they live 78.8 years. Our spirit lives forever. 
I don't think it's very smart for us to focus on our temporary body and neglect our eternal spirit. Jesus said, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Because that's eternal. Do you know what may be the most dangerous thing in our world today? It's not the threat of nuclear weapons. You know what it is? I think it's relativism. Relativism is the belief that's predominant in our country today that you get to decide for yourself what's true. That there are no absolutes. That what is true for me is not necessarily true for you. And that you and I get to decide what we believe is true. But friend, truth is truth. <laughs> there are absolutes. There are mathematical absolutes, aren't there? I mean, two plus two is four. It's not five for you. It's not three for me. It's four. They're cosmological truths. There are billions of planets and stars and galaxies, and they are all in a predefined, a preset order by our Creator. And there are laws that govern the orbit so they don't crash into each other. There, there are absolutes. Truth is truth. Physical absolutes. Cosmological absolutes, aren't there? You know there are. Friend, there are spiritual absolutes. And they're true whether we believe them or not. They're, it, us strongly believing they're not does not make them untrue. Truth is truth is Jesus. You see, the truth really resides in a person. Truth is not some abstract thing that everybody just grabs onto whatever. No, Jesus is God's son who came to reveal truth. And that's why he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he proved that that's true by his resurrection. Friend, your life is very short. It's a short story. Tomb to, womb to tomb, that's it. That's the dash between the dates. Womb to tomb, and it's over. Nobody escapes death. I did a study this week on the mortality rate of humans. You know what I found out it is? It's 100%. How about that? Then what? We don't like to think about death. We may even deny it. Try to push it out of our mind. Friend, then what? Then what? What's on the other side? You know what? God tells us. Because he loves you. He wants you to know truth. God created you in his image. You are in God's image, so you can have a personal relationship with him, okay? And one of God's qualities is that he is eternal. And you see, God created you. You have a beginning, unlike God, but God created you to be eternal, to live forever. And he wants you living with him because he loves you.
And here on earth, we decide if we want Jesus to be our Savior and our King. And God tells us, because he wants to know the truth, God tells us if we do that, if we accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross, a payment for our sin, we admit our sin, ask him to be our Savior, we enter the kingdom, his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But if we choose not to make Jesus Christ our king, then we exclude ourselves from God's kingdom. We walk away God's, from God's kingdom. And in the process, we are choosing separation from God. Eternal separation from God and everything good. And friend, that's the ultimate and the universal choice you and I make. Jesus died. But then God raised him from the dead to prove that he's the risen son of God, number one, and to prove something else, that he's going to raise us also to live with Jesus or to live in that kingdom of separation from God forever. We're here because 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose. Some of us believe it. Some of us really wonder. Some of us don't believe it. Okay? But that's why we're here this morning. Some of us don't know for sure that Jesus has arisen. We're still wondering. Do you know what? On the first Easter, Jesus' own followers had no clue that Jesus had risen. It wasn't they didn't know. They just didn't have any clue. They didn't believe it. And so they went to the graveyard. And Luke 24, 5 tells us that an angel was there. And this is what the angel said to his followers. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, friend, a lot of us as humans, we can look for life and joy and peace and happiness and fulfillment in dead things, in possessions, in temporary things. No. You won't find life, joy, peace, love, and fulfillment in those things. You'll find them in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Don't look for life in dead things. Jesus had come alive. Jesus had come alive. Jesus had come alive. And friend, Jesus calls us to come alive with him. How can you come alive? How can you come alive spiritually? You see, you're not just a physical being. You're not just an emotional being. You're not just a relational being. You're a spiritual being. You're made in God's image, and He is a spiritual being. How do you come alive spiritually? How do you come alive eternally. Yes, your body's going to die, 
But how does your spirit and your soul come alive eternally? Not just then, when you die, today. Tomorrow, when you go to work. Forever. How can you come alive? Number one, God tells us. Follow the way and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Where in the world does Jesus get the audacity to say that no one can come to God the Father except through him? He gets that because he is the only begotten Son of God. He gets that authority, not audacity, because he conquered death. And he was proved to be the Son of God. How do you, can you come alive right now? See, you're going to have a lot of dead things in your life. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have disease. You're going to have conflicts. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have illness. How do you come alive spiritually? Follow the way. Follow the truth. Follow the lie. lie. Second, how can you come alive? Get in sync. Get in sync with the Creator. Get in sync with creation. Have you ever realized that if you're not in touch with God, if you're not uh, doing what our Creator has told us to do to have life, if you're not following His own Son that He sent to this earth to lead us to heaven, you know, have you ever realized you're out of sync with the Creator of the universe? And, and that means you're really out of sync with creation. And friend, we live in a world that's out of sync with our Creator. Out of sync with creation. That's why there's conflict. That's why there's war. That's why there's disease. That's why there's hatred. That's why there's all the evil in our world. We're out of sync. But we can get in sync with the Creator and with all of creation. You see, no one would deny that there are laws, natural laws, like gravity, like inertia, like other natural laws of creation. You know what? Those correspond to God's moral laws. And that's the only way to be in sync with him. You can come alive today. That doesn't mean you won't have problems. You'll have them as long as you're here. Jesus said in this world you'll have problems. But I have overcome the world. And you and I can be in sync with our Creator and with all of creation. How can you come alive? Number three, live by faith. 
and the one who will keep every promise he ever made. God made some unbelievable promises here. Unbelievable promises. To work all things together for good to them that love God. To create a perfect place so that you could live forever in a place where there's, there's no disease and there's no evil and there's no wickedness and there's no pain and there's no more death. God made unbelievable promises in his word. How in, in the world could anyone keep those? No one in the world can, but God who created the world can. You can come alive by faith. A lot of people would define faith as a leap in the dark. No, it's not. It's a leap into the light. God has given us the light. God has given us truth. God has given us proof. Faith is not believing something you have no proof for. <laughs> it's believing in the proof that God has given to us when he raised his son from the dead. Faith is taking God at his word. And he's a God who cannot lie, a God who is truth. In 1907, a Britishman... Englishman named Howard Carter, who was a preeminent archaeologist, was hired by Lord Carnarvon to go and excavate in Egypt in what's called the Valley of the Kings. Carter excavated search for more than 10 years with very little to show for it, and that greatly angered his employer. So in 1922, Lord Carnarvon told Carter that he had only one more season of digging before the funding would end. On November the 4th, 1922, Carter went back to a, a spot that he had previously dug at and found nothing. But there on November 4th, his crew discovered a step that was carved into the rock. And they dug and dug. And by the end of the next day, a whole staircase had been uncovered. And Carter wired his employer and told him that he needed to come immediately. On November 26th, with Lord Carnarvon as his side, Carter chipped away a small breach in the corner of the doorway at the end of the stairs. And holding a candle, he peered inside. And this is what he wrote. At first I could see nothing. The hot air escaping from the chamber causing the candle flame to flicker. But presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room emerged slowly from the mist. Strange animals statues, gold, everywhere, the glint of gold. He had discovered the tomb of King Tut. King Tut, the boy king who ruled Egypt from in the 1300 B.C.s. The tomb was crammed with thousands of priceless artifacts, including the coffin that contained Tut's mummified remains. 
It is estimated that the value of those riches and treasures inside, the value is estimated to be about $750 million. And friend, I just want you to imagine if you can. Imagine that you're Carter. Imagine that you've been searching for something for years. Imagine that you are standing at the entrance to King Tut's tomb. It's open before you. And you see what you've been searching for. Friend, today you're standing at the entrance of a tomb which is far more important and far more valuable than the tomb of King Tut. We're standing at the tomb of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with that empty tomb? Are you going to try to convince yourself that it didn't happen? Are you going to try to ignore it? Well, it doesn't make any difference to me whether he did or he didn't. Friend, you and I don't have that option. Because Jesus is the Son of God. And God has said that if you want to be right with him and if you want to live with him forever in his heaven, just admit you're a sinner and accept Jesus as your Savior. He died on a cross in your place so that all your sins could be forgiven. And he proved that he'll forgive them by that empty tomb. His tomb is empty. The tombs of Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius and every other religious founder in the world, they still hold a body. But not the tomb of Jesus. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God the Father except through him. Friend, God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus knowing he would die a terrible death. But he thought you were worth it. You living with him forever and ever and in his heaven, that was worth it. And Jesus Christ did that for you. And he said this, Jesus said this, I came so that you might have life. Not just physical life, you have that. Eternal life, spiritual life. I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, that you might come alive no matter what you're going through right now. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose so that you could come alive. We're going to talk about it for the next several weeks, how to come alive. Uh, one of the things we do in Christian churches is we baptize people. Do you know what? Baptism is designed to make us come alive, not, not, not just get wet. Come alive spiritually. Be right with God. Be able to get right with others. Really live like we should. That's why Jesus rose, so that you could come alive too. Isn't it ironic that King Tut was buried with all those treasures because he was trying to take them take them with him? <laughs> what did he take into eternity with him? Nothing. Nothing. You know, as I thought about that, 
And I saw that empty tomb that's in Israel one day. That was, wow, unbelievable. You know, which tomb was really empty? One has a lot of earthly riches in it, but nothing of eternal value. The other has nothing in it, but it's the greatest eternal truth that you and I, and treasure that you and I could ever have, eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Friend, one day, you and I are going to stand at heaven's gates. Will the gates swing open? Will the gates swing open for you? They will. Not if you've been a pretty good person. They will if you have accepted Jesus' death on the cross for your sins. They will if you have accepted the risen Jesus as your Savior and you're following him as your Lord because he is Lord. He proved it when God brought him from the grave. Let's pray. And before we pray, our oh, friends, I just want to say, what a great privilege to have you here today. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you've had us, given us the privilege of telling you about our Jesus. And if you're not absolutely sure that you're going to heaven with you die, if you don't have a personal relationship with God right now, if you're if you're just really wondering what in the world is this really all about and what is it going to be on the other side of death, God loves you. God wants you in his heaven. He wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to die that kind of death if he didn't. And today, God the Father is offering you that gift, the gift of eternal life because of his son, and he wants you to have it. And you came by admitting you're a sinner, by opening up your heart and your life, by embracing Jesus Christ as your Savior and walking with him as your Lord today and every day and all the way to heaven when those gates will swing open. And I trust you'll accept him today. And then it will go out and live for our Lord. Father, we praise you. These are your truths. This is exactly what your word says. We're not making this up. This is what your word says. You love us. You want us to know the truth. You reveal it to us. You had it written down in black and white. So we would know for sure. God, we praise you today. We praise you for your love. And Lord, we want to come alive. Not just breathing, that's not life. Not just existing, that's not real life. Living, knowing you. Living, loving you. Living, loving others. Living, 
fulfilling the purpose for which you created us, God. We want to come alive. And we thank you, dear Father, that you're willing to do that for us. And we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.